Did you guys hear about the butcher that sat on his meat grinder? No. What happened? He got to a little. <laughs> he got a little behind in his work. <laughs> mm, I like it. A, it's a butt joke. Who I doesn't love it. a good? Who doesn't love a good it's butt a dad, joke? It's a dad butt joke. It's a dad butt joke. A dad joke. Um. Yep. The five to eight year olds are hollering right now. <laughs> Yeah, people don't people don't know that we have a huge amount of five to eight year olds who listen to this podcast. Like whether they want to or not, you need to be quiet in the back seat and listen, because this is going to make you a faster cyclist. (laughs) I had a friend of mine uh, this last week. Actually, someone we're going to invite on the podcast. He's a uh, getting his PhD in neuroscience and nutrition, and Mm. he works with athletes. So it'd be really interesting to let him and Shane go toe to toe and argue. But Yeah, uh, yeah. He, like a nerd fight. Uh huh. And I told him about it, and he goes, "Oh, well, listen to the podcast." And he said, "I'm starting the first one now." And it occurred to me, I was like, "Oh, don't, don't, don't do that. Like, start at like number four. Like, mm-hmm. we needed, we needed three to get it together. So he might have listened to the first one and then stop being my friend. So we'll see if he yeah. comes on the podcast. Yeah. So that could be the hidden episode. We could just hide episode one because it kind of sucked. It's a good idea. And that could <laughs> forever be the one that true never going pro fans are taking to the internet to try to hunt it down. It's going to be a movement. It's going to shut the internet down. Five yep. people. Yep. Well, here we go. Welcome to the Never Going Pro podcast by Dads Inside Riding Trainers featuring GC Coaching. It's a podcast about riding bikes and parenthood and trying really, really hard at both. I am your host, Ken the Badger Nowell, and with me is Shane Gaffney, owner of GC Coaching. Hey, everyone. And Chris Gorney, fellow dirt teammate, passionate cyclist, and outstanding dad. Good morning. And uh, yeah, usually we take a few minutes to catch up with the crew. Everybody's getting ready for the holidays. We figured we'd talk a little bit about our setups and our bikes. So what's new with you guys? Can I, can I start and say two things? Yes. First off, you know, good job, Badger. You know, the mm. last couple of weeks, that intro, we've kind of had, we've left the comical breaks in there because we think it's funny to make fun of you when we edit this, but you killed it. Thanks. That was great. Good job. I agree. And secondly, my, I mentioned this, my wife listened to this podcast and every time you say passionate cyclist and outstanding dad, my wife kind of laughs, laughs at me. Does she roll her eyes? She does. Yeah. It's, it's really, really funny. Um, <laughs> she also come back. Uh, she came back from running this last week and she'd listened to the last podcast and she, she said, Hey, so I listened to the podcast. I said, okay. She goes, I have some thoughts about it. And I'm like, oh no. And she goes, I think it was your best one. So she totally like, she like fed me up. Like I was like, oh, I really think she was going to trash it. And then she goes, it was your best one. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I guess we're getting better at this, man. I'm doing good. We are not uh, particularly ready for the holidays. It occurred to me today that I have not bought my wife's gifts for Christmas, so I'll be doing that this morning at work. But I do know- We'll release this on December 26th then. Yeah, well, you know, she only bought gifts for me and my daughter and like all of our family, so I had one one job to do. Uh, But other than that, man, we're doing good. We're going to go to the mountains for the holidays. So that's that's all we got. What's going on with you, Shane? The holidays are usually crazy busy. But this year is actually going to be pretty good where everybody's coming to my house because I'm the only one with kids right now in the family. Um, so we have my my parents are both divorced, remarried, and my wife's parents are both divorced and remarried. So you can imagine that gets a little bit complicated with four mm-hmm. houses to go to. So everybody's coming to my house, which is going to be awesome. 
Um, and yeah, Christmas presents are already bought. Everything's wrapped. So we're in really Damn. good shape right now, which is good. But thanks to my wife for that, not to me. Um, yeah. What about you, Ken? I am pretty much ready. Um, I'm going to go get my wife some mountain bike gloves. And um, she's done most of the shopping for the rest of the family, which is pretty cool. A uh, lot of other stuff going on. I, I've got a promotion, but I also interview for a different job at the same time. So, like, that's kind of crazy. I don't know what my my future is a little uh, uncertain, but all sure. the opportunities look good. Can you tell us? And, uh, is it too soon? Will it ruin your chances if you tell us what you interviewed for? It might. It might ruin the chances. So, uh, but no, it would be getting into a different industry. We'll see how that works out. It would be going more into tech and away from uh, property management. And so, yeah, it would be it would be a really interesting um, transition career-wise. Training things are going good. Got in a ten-hour week last week. I started lifting some weight, so um, oh, that's yeah. feeling good. I started really light, so I wasn't super sore. And so far, you know, things are going fine there. And excited about taking a couple days off for the Christmas holiday and uh, moving into 2020 with some with some fun goals, you know, both uh, professionally and with my with my family and my training. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I think it's cool. Like 2020, I feel like people get really jazzed over New Year's anyways, but the year 2020 just sounds like everybody's going to be even more motivated and excited to change or improve just because like the year is so cool. Like 2020. I think it's because we finally know how to say it. You know what I mean? Like before it was like mm -hmm. 2019, 2018, is it 2018, 2019? Yeah. I mean, the teens felt awkward. You never, in 2011, 2011, I feel like it, there was no standard, but now I think it's, everybody knows it's 2020 and it's 2021. Right. Easier. Well, there's an entire decade and we didn't even know what to well, call it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think that's the reason for so many problems is there's just kind of a base level confusion on, you know, when you don't have your nomenclature down, you know, you don't know what to say. I think that's going to be the change. I'm I'm stoked, man. I'm looking forward to see what happens. Cool. Well, we were going to talk a little bit about how we train and what, what kind of bikes we ride. So I guess I will go first. I am riding a beat up old 2000, um, excuse me. Yeah. 2012 13. Fuji. 12. Two, it's a 2012 Fuji Grand Fondo um, rim brake bike. I did put some nicer wheels on it and I'm running that on a um, Cyclops Hammer. Uh, generation one hammer, which is still, it's got like 10,000 miles on it and still going strong. Um, the bike's getting beat up from the salt. So like, for instance, I sheared one of the heads off of the bolts that holds the bottle cage on. So I have one bolt on it and one zip tie. Wow. And perfect. so, yeah, yeah. Be careful with your bikes. Make sure you grease up your bolts and take everything apart and clean it up every now and again. Grease your bolts. Yes. Always grease your bolts. That is our public service announcement for today. Yep. Uh, and then I've got a sweeter, much sweeter mountain bike. I have a 2019 Specialized Epic S-Works, of course. It's awesome. It's got a Fox 34 front fork. I won't get into all the other details, but it is a cross-country race machine. But you want to. I do want to, but, <laughs> you know, shoot me a PM if you want all the specs. And no, I won't tell you my address. We'll tell, but we'll tell everybody. So if you really want to know where he lives, message one of us and we'll tell you where it is. All right. Well, let me go ahead and call my insurance agent and lower my deductible. <laughs> what about you, Shane? 
Uh, I have a specialized tarmac road uh, on a kicker right now. That's kind of where I do 90 plus percent of my training on Zwift. And then I have a giant TCX cross bike as well. Um, I think I have 25,000 miles on the specialized right now. Something like that. Mm. Um, so quite a bit, but no problems. Not going with it. It's been rock solid since day one. Um, nice. And the kicker probably has what three years worth of miles on it so who knows how many virtual wow. miles that might be but same thing rock solid so not going to hopefully that lasts me another season training wise you know ken's in the uh man shed and then i have like a downstairs office slash training room slash storage facility for old toys and clothes slash everything else so that's kind of where my training space is old, old toy down with the old toys that's it. That's it. <laughs> what about you? Uh, my kind of little cycling room is actually our garage. We have a single car garage attached to our house and we don't need it. And so we've got, you know, big storage things out here and uh, kind of set up in the middle of the garage is a little workout area that we can use. And then I have the new Tax Neo 2, uh, which is um, sitting next to <laughs> the Wahoo kicker right now in my garage, which the Wahoo kicker is not mine. So I've got to give that back to the people I'm borrowing it from. Um, but right now it makes me seem super wasteful that I have both of them here, but I bought one and borrowed the other. Um, but it was fun to kind of compare them. Uh, the tax Neo two is, uh, considerably more real to what it feels like to ride out on the road, which, um, took me a little bit of time to get used to but so that's what i ride inside with two little fans that are considerably underpowered um but yet i don't spend money to get a better fan so i just kind of sweat and there's a pool on the kind of little stain part of my garage floor uh but Tell my bike's like yeah yeah oh yeah well i cleaned that um i actually cleaned it last night in the driveway and had to spend some time spraying down the driveway from where a bunch of bike grease was starting to stain, <laughs> <laughs> which is code for clean your bike more often. But uh, I have a 2018 Focus's Alco Max, which, and it's got exposed cabling and rim brakes, but I've got uh, Mavic uh, 45 mil fairing carbon wheels, um, Ultegra. I've got like three or four seat posts that I kind of change out. I'm, I've kind of been trying to figure out a different saddle position for a little while but it's great um i uh had this same bike a year earlier but totally changed it out because i liked the color of the 2018 more <laughs> i know i mean there, there were other reasons too i got a good deal when i swapped them out and i got some great component upgrades but all right that makes me feel better yeah ultimately uh just the color it was just yeah, it's white and everyone here has black bikes and i kind of like being the one guy who's got that all white bike White bike with hairy legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I shave my legs. I'm not a monster like the Badger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, hey, I did this this last weekend. I did something I've never done before. I uh, Or two weeks or a week ago, I switched out my group set or my, my cassette. Uh, and I never, I just never did that by myself before. But when I got the Tax Neo 2, I, instead of getting a cassette for that, I just put my, I cleaned both, I cleaned my cassette, put it on that and I bought a new one. And uh, mm -hmm. it was actually really easy. I mean, I, I mean, I know how to do it. I just had never, you know, I didn't just had never done the work for it, but it was, it was right. actually kind of fun. And there's some great videos too on YouTube and stuff like that to do all that stuff. So, and it's, you save so much, you save so much time. You also save so much money too. When it's easy, like I already had all that bike cleaning stuff. And so I just used that to clean the cassette and it, it was, I didn't even need like a solvent. Like it was really easy and right. um, 
they make those cassettes so stupid proof that even I could do it. Yeah. I love it too. It makes you feel good about yourself too when you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like what dad doesn't love to save money? That's true. And also, what dad doesn't love a good focus question? That most of them. Okay. Well, we got a cool focus question this week. That was a great, that was a great segue. <laughs> Wasn't that? You, you, did you like that, how I slipped that in there? Hey, again, um, just a daily public service announcement again. This is now the period of time where my daughter might come run screaming into the room. So just be ready for that. No, no worries. Uh, this comes from Nathaniel. I'm going to try to pronounce his last name. Boersma. Yeah, perhaps. That sounds right. Yeah. Nathaniel Boersma, he came up with the sweetest graphic for Christmas for Team Dirt. It was awesome. So go to our Facebook page and check it out. Uh, and his question is, how to transfer from training long-term indoors to singular outdoor events mm -hmm. or single outdoor events? And I see that Shane has done a lot of research on this. And uh, he also trains a lot of athletes that have done this. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Sure. So, um the big thing is what the event is. Is it a mountain bike single track event or is it a gravel event or is it just a grand fondo that's mostly on the road? Because the big thing is you're going to have the fitness from riding indoors. You may not potentially have the endurance depending on how long your ride is. Um, but most importantly is your bike handling is probably not going to be great, especially if, if it's an indoor. That, that would be my daughter. Actually, I can hear her. <laughs> She's <laughs> feet away. Between two walls and a kitchen. Did you, did you run out of Cheerios this morning or something? What happened? Man, it's most likely that she was grabbing onto a drawer in the kitchen and then fell backwards, which is oh. kind of old. Ouch. A little pinch action. Yeah. What are you going to do? So anyway, um, keep, keep going. So, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so your fitness will be there, but the big thing is your bike handling probably won't be there unless you do a lot of outdoor riding, which I'm sure Ken can attest to. Because mm -hmm. you, I mean, if you're on the trainer, you're just basically sitting and spinning. Even on rollers, you don't get a ton of handling. You can get your straight line ability better on rollers. And I think rollers are good for roadies that kind of maybe lose that ability to hold a straight line, which is important riding in a pack or things like that just for safety. Um, but really like mountain biking, gravel grinding, you really have to expose yourself to those elements to improve at them. One of the things that I run into on, on longer mountain bike rides is like you said, you know, the, the leg strength is there. Um, but, uh, uh, my shoulders and traps get really, really tight on oh, long yeah. rides. I'm just not used to putting any weight over my bars. Sure. Um, Cause I can, I mean, I don't even need, need to hold the bars at all on the trainer. So that's one of the biggest things that I run into. And there's only so many plank holds that you can do that are going to uh, sort of mim mimic that stimulus. I, I have to get out there. And so it seems like, you know, I can do all the deliberate stuff on the trainer. And when I ride outside, I'm, just out there playing and having fun. Right. Yeah. Use that towel structure too, is you'll do like, you know, the fitness work indoors. And then if you have a cyclocross race coming up, you might do some, you know, practice over barriers or turning drills or riding in sand, gravel, single track, bunny hopping, you know, all those skills that you don't really get riding indoors. But it, you can, like I said, it's more about fun and skills work than it is actually about really improving fitness. Sorry, you don't bunny hop without the trainer? 
I don't body up too much on the trainer. Sometimes on the rollers I do if I'm feeling really special. Zwift, that Zwift update where you have to start bunny hopping stuff. <laughs> That's right. On uh, What's the name of that new course? Repack Ridge. Oh, yeah, Repack Ridge. What I was going to say is there was a really cool video that came out this week. It was, uh, I want to say it was a cycling tips video where they went and visited the SARS headquarters and they were talking about the future of indoor riding and they're trying to make it as similar to outdoor as possible. So they have something that's similar to a rocker plate and it rocks left to right, but it also, yeah, but it also rocks forward and back. So it sits in sort of like a cradle and it, um, it, uh, when you stand up out of the saddle, uh, the bike will, and you accelerate, you know, it'll move forward, it'll move back, it'll move side to side. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Wahoo uh, kicker climb has been out for a long time that actually adjusts the front end of the bike up and down. Yep. So it's getting there. And, and it's one of the reasons that I don't want to, I would love to have a, a smart bike uh, one day in the future, but they're just coming out now. So I'm just going to ride the current setup that I have as long as possible until I can get yeah. a more realistic, like generation two, three, four, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Uh, smart bike. Well, I will say that's actually the big difference between the tax and the tax Neo two and the, and the Wahoo kicker that's in my garage is you've got a little more like wobble is probably the word for it. And okay. it's intentional. So the tax actually, I mean, it's nothing like we're talking about, but it, it, it's not as rigid of a connection. It's still solid and safe. You know, there, you're not putting any pressure on your frame or anything, but it, you, you lose kind of like when you're outside, you lose a little bit of power in the flex of your frame. That's what's happening. And so, you know, it, it's, I'd say I actually saw a little bit of a power decrease switching to the tax because I'm having to work a little harder to just keep steady and stable rather than just like hammering power, um, which at first I hated, but now I'm realizing that's going to help me outside a ton. But so, I mean, that on steroids is where everything's going. And I think you're right. Eventually, putting a bike on a trainer will be passe because. You know, you'll there'll be a fifteen hundred dollar indoor trainer that rocks left and right, goes up and down. You know, you can bunny hop. I don't know. You know what That's I mean? Right. They'll, they'll splash water on you if you're doing a cyclocross course. <laughs> well, that certainly is the hope. There is a sort of a, a mountain bike training tool. It's called a rip row, and uh, Lee likes bikes came out with this thing, and it's pretty neat. And it's basically um, rocks side to side, but uh, it it is a machine that you can use to mimic the pumping motion of being on a mountain bike. Hmm. And, uh, and so it definitely, you know, in my perfect bike gym, I would have one of those as well. So, uh, check it out. It's called a rip row. And, uh, and those guys do a lot of neat training videos and, uh, a lot of, uh, training seminars around the country. Is that a R I P R O W? Yes. R I P R O W. Yep. The rip rip row. I've never heard of it before. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's neat. It's neat stuff. There's a trainer. I'm trying to find it right now. I think they might have pulled it down because it was uh it was like a really kind of they were a little bit too ahead. And it's by Be Cool, which I think is a Spanish or a German company. And for a while, yeah, they they did they, I'm looking right now and they ended up pulling it off the market. But they they tried to go to market. Um no, 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 it's up, it's up there. They might have just changed it a bit, but it was basically um, a built-in pivot on your back axle, um, so that like it already would kind of go left and right, and it was it was re- it was almost kind of suspending your bike rather than propping it from the bottom. It actually connected above hmm. your cassette, and so it actually had your bike suspended like that, which is the same. Yeah, those. 
but I, I think they like put it out on the market and then pulled it back and then it's out again. It's a little different. So it seems like they were maybe pushing a little too hard. That's cool. Yeah. There was a, some kind of kinetic trainer that was like that. It sort of uh, is like in a, sl a swing, swings back and forth. So yeah, it's really cool to see like the arms race between all these companies to come up with like the new best thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so I think transferring from training long-term indoors to singular events outdoors is all about bike handling primarily. And then the other big thing is endurance, which I kind of touched upon, but the, I guess, secondary focus question this week comes from Josh Klingian. And he asks, would it be possible to train effectively using Zwift for an event like the Dirty Kanza? So Dirty Kanza, if you guys don't know, uh, it's a 200-mile gravel event. Um, they also do, I believe, a 100-mile event as well this year. That's or, correct. Is that yep. right? Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, it's a very, very long, very gnarly, kind of one of those, quote, epic events or bucket list events that people like to do. That's, uh, that's from my neck of the woods. I grew up an hour from there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's in Emporia, Kansas. I grew up an hour away. Yeah. I've worked with a couple of people that have done it. I've never done it myself, but people that have done it seems to, everybody says it's kind of this like life-changing, altering thing that people do, which is really cool. Yeah. I'm going to give two secrets away right now that I hope, I hope nobody yells at me for. So the hardest part, the hardest thing in the world is actually to get in to the, to yeah. the DK. I've heard and, that. Uh, I actually didn't get in last year. I, I tried to with my friends and they all got in because they knew that the, you know, again, here's the secret, right? supposedly and it's not written down anywhere that if you also buy the kit that goes with the event somehow you always make it through the lottery i don't know anyone who got the kit who didn't get in there's another secret too yep are you talking about the middle school that i don't know about the middle school the, the middle school the, the one that i heard was if you donate to the local middle school i forget if it's like the arts and sciences program or something like that you also magically get in because it's tied to the race somehow i i haven't heard that tip um but i did hear if you sign up for the training uh camp and dirty kanza you're a guaranteed uh, entrance uh we have a uh, one of our members that's doing that graham he's going to be doing the uh the uh training camp this year and so he was guaranteed a slot and he's going to decide later whether he's going to do the 100 or the 200 because the training camp is 50 miles on day one 100 on day two and 50 on day three wow. so you know if he's not dead after those three days, then he might consider doing the 200 miler. Well, see, here's, here's the thing is like, you know, I'm from Kansas, from the, the prairie area, and then it's right next to the Flint Hills, which is where Emporia, Kansas, where the DK is. And people, people don't really understand. I mean, there's so many people who get into this race and have no idea what they're doing because they don't understand how totally difficult the terrain is. It's a huge amount of elevation. Not only that, but there's a lot of steep descents right. and they're not just smooth descents. They're going down rutted tractor paths and the Flint Hills are exposed. There's no shade. There's no cover. They will not come get you. <laughs> like if you read wow. the rule, amazing. Yeah. 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 You got to have your own support vehicle following you, like, you know, on whatever road can maybe be nearby. So even that you're setting up your own stops. Um, plus like if you're not from there, you're not used to the wild changes in heat um, storms like there's been years where they're like slammed by huge thunderstorm. I mean, like they're not gonna they're not gonna like start the race if they think it's gonna be unsafe, or they might. But I mean, like people get their freaking rear ends kicked out there 
And like, you'll see people just like falling apart who have incredible fitness. Um, bikes break in half. People carry extra like derailers in their pack. They carry extra chains. Um, it's unbelievable. Like people bring extra cassettes because this, it like, there's even photos of guys who have these like bike frames that literally snapped in half going down. That's nuts. Yeah. Wow. Got friends who did it last year. And, um, the ones I was trying to do with one of them, who's a very experienced cyclist, um, fell going on descent and ended up getting a concussion and, um, just tore up, just bloody everywhere. And then he, he didn't go to the hospital until I think he was traveling three days later for work and went to a hospital in California. And they're like, yeah, man, you, you should not be here. Like <laughs> he, he like broke his helmet. And I mean, so it's deep. I mean, it's, it's awesome, wow. but people it's not, there's zero exaggeration about how much a single kick you in the tail. So, I mean, fitness is important as luck as it seems. Yeah. It's, they start at six, right? 6 a.m. Um, I think it's a, maybe a little earlier, but it, they start early. Yeah. It, it's cut off as midnight. Um, something like that. Yeah, it depends which course you're like doing. 18 hours. That's, that's a long day, man. That is a long day in the saddle. You look at the guys and the guys who are really good at it, they actually have uh, aero bars on their gravel bikes. Yeah. They just cruise. I have heard of that. I heard there was some controversy around that. But when you had answered this guy's question on uh, Facebook, you had mentioned something I had never heard about, which is reverse periodization because he's starting to train now. Right. Uh, for this thing that's in what, August? DK is in, when is DK? I should know that. <laughs> I think it's September. All right, so September. So it's late in the summer. Um, but tell us about this reverse periodization. Yeah, so traditional periodization is what everybody no, knows. No, sorry. We're way off. June 1st. June 1st. Whoa. Okay. So okay. reverse months. periodization. Yeah. So let me start with, with traditional. So traditional periodization is where you do high volume, low intensity, which is like zone two miles, which you see all the pros and those guys doing. Then you move into the build phase, which is more, you know, kind of growing some sports specific endurance, some sports specific intensity, typically VO2 max, things like that. And then you have your peak and race phases. Reverse periodization is when you don't do a tremendous amount of volume during the base phase because you don't have the time A to train or B, you live in an environment or a climate where you just can't do that much training because it's snowing or it's cold or whatever. So I think most Zwifters tend to use a reverse periodization approach, even though they may not realize it, where they do a lot of structured work and a lot of racing on Zwift during the winter months. And then as the weather gets better, they may transition to outdoors more and then their riding gets longer and longer and the intensity gradually decreases. So that's really where reverse periodization is, is you do low volume, high intensity in the beginning and you gradually transition to high volume, low intensity as the event approaches. And again, traditional is reversed where it's high volume, low intensity first, and then lower volume, higher intensities later. So for something like the DK, which, you know, it can potentially take somebody, what do we say? 18 hours, right? 6 a.m. to to midnight. That's 18 hours. So it can take 18 hours potentially for somebody to finish. That's a perfect use of reverse periodization because 
as you get closer to your event, specificity is really what matters. So the most specific thing you can do for the Dirty Kanza isn't a Zwift race. It's, you know, a 10 hour long endurance ride. So you're almost training much better using a reverse periodization approach, in my opinion, for ultra endurance events, doing it that way, than you are cramming a ton of volume six months away from the event and then gradually decreasing your volume as you're increasing your intensity as the event approaches. Because you're almost using specificity in reverse, which is not the ideal way to train for the event that you're going for. Does that make sense? No, it does make a ton of sense. And I think, like you said, like by default, that's what a lot of Zwifters are doing. Right. Uh, as much as I do love riding Zwift, still much more than an hour. Um, I, I usually don't do much more than an hour, maybe 90 minutes once or twice a week. I'm trying to push it up to two hours. Right. Yeah, but it does It does start to suck. Even if you're a racing cyclist, you know, even a Cat 3 race, Cat 2 race, typically they're only 90 minutes to two hours long. So you only need to do a tremendous amount of volume anyways, even during the base phase, because really two hours is going to be your longest event. So it's more about intensity anyways, and view to max repeats, things like that, to kind of raise your aerobic ceiling as high as you can. Um, reverse periodization really lends itself well to ultra endurance events, in my opinion, in my overall experience as a coach. Like, uh, like parenting. It's an ultra endurance event. Yeah. And I'm in the low volume, high intensity phase for sure. <laughs> well, I think parenting is more like a high volume, high intensity phase. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. From zero yeah. to eight. It's, it is unrelenting for sure. Well, this is good stuff. And thanks, Shane, for bringing some insight into how we can uh, use our, our, our trainers to transfer into the things that we really love to do outside. Um, we have an interview coming up with Timmy Bauer. Timmy Bauer is on the indoor specialist uh, team for uh, Zwift. It is one of the most dominant indoor uh, teams out there. He's a Cat A plus uh, or a Cat one in real life. He does a lot of crit events, um, and then he also is a A plus rider on Zwift. Uh, he was on SP two, which is that spirulina team. He was on that last year and he's doing some other stuff this year, but, uh, we had a really good time talking to him about how he uses indoor training to, uh, transfer to outdoor training. So we're going to move on to that interview right now. So this week's guest is Timmy Bauer. He is one of the guys on the Zwift Indoor Specialist team, but he's also a Cat One racer, and he's been on some uh, he's been on some pretty serious race teams over the years that you may have heard of. Uh, so good morning, Timmy. How are you doing? Good morning, Ken. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm doing great. That's awesome. So um, tell tell the audience what time it is where you are. Um, right now it's about three fifty seven a.m. Um, this is normal wake up and Zwift time for me, uh, get the hours in before the kids wake up. <laughs> gotcha. So how many hours do you usually put in, um, each week or does it vary it, throughout the year? It definitely varies. Obviously right now it's pretty cold where I live. Um, in the part of California I'm in, we do get snow and it is pretty chilly in the mornings. So, um, it's a little hard to get motivated sometimes to get out in the cold, uh, because my setup is in the garage, <laughs> but, um, um, Normally shoot for 10 hours um, 
goal, obviously, when I'm really striving to get fit is 15 hours. Um, okay. Being a dad, you know that uh, you got to make uh, your time valuable and you got to really uh, get good stuff in while you can with uh, with kids and other life things and job and all, everything else that goes along. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know your your buddy vegan cyclist Tyler Pierce. I saw uh, on his video he's pushing up the twenty hours a week, um, and it, it seems like that's pretty normal for you know Cat One and pro racers. And you found that I mean, did you put in your time when you were younger, really doing those big hours, and now you just find that you it's not as important? For sure, when you're uh, building your base, um, people you know people call it. You're working to get your cycling legs. It takes a couple of years to get those, and once you get to a certain level, you can maintain it and you learn you know what you need to do and how you need to do it, and you can become so much more efficient as you become wiser about your fitness and and your and your base of uh, cycling fitness. So definitely, when I was younger, um, I only had one kid. It's a little easier to crunch a, a few more hours in but uh, having two kids is definitely more challenging i can't imagine the guys that have three four five that's crazy <laughs> yeah i've got one and you know just uh when kindergarten started this year i went from being really consistent at about eight hours a week to you know dropping down to six hours or so and i'm i'm now we've been doing that for three or four months and i'm finally starting to figure out how to get it back in there but it's every Every semester, every year, things change. You got to figure out the puzzle all over again. I've definitely noticed with Zwift, you can fit in so many more quality miles too. You don't have mm. as many junk miles as I used to get when I was riding outside and training outside. Um, right now, like basically this last year, I solely trained on Zwift and was very competitive throughout all my races, um, even on the USA uh, crit series, which is a pro one event. Um, I went to wow. five of those this year and by far I had the best fitness I've had out of any year. Um, and it was all done on Zwift. It was, it was really awesome. Well, that kind of brings us to our focus question for the week, which is, uh, transferring from training long-term indoors to singular events outdoors. Um, can it be done? And then sort of to follow up that question, there was a guy on, uh, the, uh, dads and side riding trainers facebook page that asked um fellow dirt members like would it be possible to train on zwift and then do dirty kanza so oh for sure I, yeah. you kind of just answered that question a little bit but i mean we'd love to hear your elaboration like how long ago did you get into zwift and i mean how much do you still ride outside yeah for sure so um I mean, to jump to the question, Dirty Kanza would totally be uh, accomplishable training on Zwift. But um, my Zwift story started on November 8th, uh, 2017. I started Zwift, and on the 28th, I posted a, kit, a picture of me and my kids on one of the message boards, and Jason Stern commented on it. It was me with both my kids on the bike in front of me, on the trainer. And uh, he said, dude, you'd be a great, uh, great addition to Dirt. You should check it out. So. Before that, I'd always seen the dirt name, and I was like, "Oh, what are these gravel riders doing? Like, <laughs> why is there this many gravel riders on Zwift?" Yeah. Um. So then I, you know, researched it, checked out the Facebook group, and immediately joined it. And I'll never forget my first race. Um. 
you know, I was in the middle of my off season, just starting my build for uh, the 2018 season. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sterney was there. A bunch of great guys were there. Aaron, uh, Michael Buckle. There were so many cool guys there. And it was just a blast. And I was on Discord and it was just amazing. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this? Yeah. And it just took off from there. I got hooked, man. Uh, and the results were killer. And it's just, you know, uh, it was a life-changing event for me. Um, you know, transferring that to outdoor cycling, I was really nervous. Like, oh, I, you know, I've been on two wheels since I was three years old. I raced motorcycles from age three to age 18 and got into cycling in my 20s. Um, and I was like, man, am I going to lose all my bike handling skills? Like, am I going to be terrible outside? Like, what's going to happen? But I was, you know, I had no problem. I was great. Um, I think last year um, I trained a total of 47 days outside and 37 of those were races. So that means I only did 10 training rides last year outside and I did over 9,000 miles on Zwift. That is nuts. So, and you found, well, I guess like I did for a couple of years, I was, um, doing outdoor group rides in a pack. And, um, but what I notice is like the less I ride in a pack, uh, the harder it is for me to hold a wheel for, I'm just like nervous about wrecking into them. And you know, it's funny. It's like, I think like, Hey, I'm a mountain biker. Like all the outdoor riding I do is on a mountain bike and I'm going to jump into this group road ride and mountain bikers are just great bike handlers, but it's not the same skill set. You know, it's, it's definitely different. It is for sure. Um, I'm, I've just been very fortunate and gifted that, uh, you know, I, I have those skills of, of pack skills, but I feel, you know, once you get it in and, and you, you feel really comfortable in a pack, that's something you kind of can't lose. Um, you, you can brush up on it once in a while by once in a month hitting a group ride if you need to. Right. But I, 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 I tell you, holding a wheel on Zwift is so much harder than holding no a wheel kidding. in real life. Because you can't see their body English. You, you can't read mm. the person in front of you. Um, on Zwift, you're just looking at an avatar. And yeah, you can watch the little number on the side. But sometimes it's so difficult with the powerful guys out there uh, knowing when they're going to jump and accelerate. I've been off the front of Zwift races before with Ollie Jones or Alex West. And it's just nuts. Um, you're just like holding on. You're like, oh, man. How are they holding 4:30 right now? Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. So but- here's an interesting question for you, and I think it's like there's this like new training puzzle that everybody is trying to figure out. Um, mm-hmm. In the past, it was really easy to say, okay, it's October, all the kids are in school, the bike races are done for the year, we're gonna do this traditional like transition to build block until the big the first of the year and then start building up and then we'll have like our specialty phase but with zwift there is no off season ever there so isn't. so yeah. what do you do i mean like how how is the for, for i mean you're racing for indoor specialists one of the most powerful teams on zwift and you guys never stop. So how do you keep from burning out or plateauing or any of these other things? Or can you just keep a high level of fitness all the time? You definitely cannot. So okay. you've got to find a time to switch off. Um, the team I'm part of is 
literally the greatest cycling team I've ever been a part of, indoor or outdoor. And we've got an awesome group of guys. We have so much fun. And I think that's what drives us all to, to work so hard and, and to try so hard. And then we have the support of the dirt guys. And it's so cool because you can jump in any race and there's going to be a dirt guy. And they're so awesome. They're always there to help you out. It's so great because you share something in common. But as far as going back to your question, um, there's no way to hold a solid top fitness 365 days a year. So you got to find a time to switch off. For me, it's always been October. And it's mm -hmm. what's worked. Um, the indoor specialist guys you know, are cool enough to let me drop down in October and start picking it back up in November so I can still have a little time to let my body settle down and then really chase back hard. And right now, uh, you know, I'm back on that upward climb. I had an unfortunate event this July and broke my hand at Salt Lake City in the USA mm. grid there. Um, so that kind of, you know, maybe started my off season a little earlier, but I really tried to push through that injury. I was riding the time trial bike one hand on the train. <laughs> I moved the, sw the, the shifter to my left side so I could just keep oh, wow. riding the gears. Um, but yeah, I still have to have some time off. Um, Matt Gardner, one of my teammates and the indoor specialist, he's one who can hold a top level of fitness for a very long time. And a lot of the guys on my, our team, they don't race outside. Okay. Um, me and uh, Matt C are two of the only that do race outside. So they are truly indoor specialists. I'm wow. lucky to be a little bit of bull. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you've, you've still got to have that off season, whether you plan it in the fall, like I do, or the other guys, uh, a lot of them actually take a dip in the spring and go mm. on a little vacation. Like this past um, uh, May and June, uh, a couple of them took little vacations and went and did uh, outdoor things. You got to find a time to refresh your body. So what did that look like for you for October? I mean, what did you do different? Did you just not ride at all or you took like two weeks off and then two weeks of just sort of playing around on a bike here and there? I've never not <laughs> rode at all. I, I, I've always loved it. So my off season would normally consist of um, maybe tops two or three days off a week. Okay. <laughs> but just dropping the intensity, <laughs> not doing intervals, trying not to race, <laughs> even though it's so tempting to always race. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. And just trying to dropping the intensity and enjoying your family, making time to do special things with your kids and your wife. And Let's be real. Even during the season, you have to do that. As a father, that's what comes first. Bike racing is number two. So, you know, you've got to be creative. Um, but my off season is normally trying to ride maybe three or four days a week instead of my normal six. Well, here's the fun. Here's the funny thing about cyclists is like if you really love it, it's really hard to stay off the bike. I mean, you want to ride. Oh, so true. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. You know, I did quite a bit of training and dedicated trainer rides this this summer, really all year. And then, you know, probably in the last three or four weeks, I'm like, I just can't do it. I can't make myself do an FTP test. I can't make myself do a sweet spot workout. Forget it. You know, um, so I just sort <laughs> of like I took some extra days off. I had a cold. I was like, this is a good opportunity to chill. And now um, Nike season has started. So, you know, I'm trying to horn in these uh, 
after school mountain bike practices with the high school team uh, nice. two days a week along with, you know, other stuff. And I remember this time last year, it was easy to do, say, uh, the morning grind fondo on Wednesday morning mm -hmm. and then do the afternoon ride with the kids. But I couldn't keep doing that because the kids kept getting fitter and faster. Yeah. So like come around February, I was like, OK, I can't do both of these on the same day. You know, it's, it's just impossible. I will say, though, that double rides, meaning morning and evening rides, are one of the best ways to get fit and fast. Okay. Oh, man. I love doing that during the week. Uh, doing like, I always used to do double down Tuesdays, and uh, I'd ride in the morning and in the evening, and that's just so fun. Um, but yeah, you definitely have to find times to take a break, and it's tricky being a dad because you have so many other things going on. Some of these single guys, they can focus and just solely train uh, and not have any distractions from their bike where we have so many different distractions and responsibilities that hit us in everyday life. It's crazy. Yeah, that is very true. So one of the videos that I loved is you built out like a little mountain bike track in your backyard for your kids. And I'm seeing you and your kids yeah. railing these dirt berms. And that just looks like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, we've got two. Um, we literally created one right in our backyard. <laughs> and then on the back of our property, we've got a bigger one. And it's so fun for the kids because they can learn all sorts of technique and bike handling skills. And they just have a blast. My son, um, Hudson, he's uh, going to be two January 3rd. And um, he's been on a Strider bike since he was nine months old. And the kid just loves it. Uh, he rips around these dirt tracks and these berms and makes motorcycle noises. And my daughter, Delaney, she's um, uh, seven years old, and she's got this Scott mountain bike. It's so cool. And she just has a blast on it. I mean, it's got fat, wide tires, disc brakes. It's the coolest bike ever. And she just rips on it. It's so fun. It's the, the best time uh, just riding with them and, and, and just kicking back and enjoying bikes. Yeah, that's super cool. So they just built, they're building a pump track in my neighborhood, one for the adults and one for the kids side by side. Oh, yeah. And it should be awesome. Yeah, it should be open in about a month if it ever stops raining. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. So that's super. Rain. Yeah. So I have to ask you a question. Is okay. Is Dirty Kansas something you're looking at this year? Um, Not for me. <laughs> um, and why well, is that? <laughs> Well, so I've got a, you know, a budget. Okay. <laughs> um, money doesn't grow in trees. So I've got to pick my events uh, and, and really enjoy them. Um, there is a, a SoCal kind of gravel race that I wanted to do. <clears throat> the name is slipping me right now. Um, but Dirty Cans is definitely interesting. And if I ever get a gravel bike or can afford to have a cross-style bike, boom, would totally do it. I don't think I would do Dirty Cans on a road bike. I, um, yeah, I understand that. The Belgian Waffle Ride. The Belgian Waffle Ride is the one that I'm looking at doing this year. Um, I was going to do it last year, but something came up with my daughter and I wasn't able to go. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it this year. And that would be my first time doing that event. Uh, the Belgian Waffle Ride is a little shorter than the Dirty Kanza. Okay. But the Dirty Kanza looks awesome. Um, it's definitely something I want to do. I've, I really want to you know, do cross and some of those gravel events. Um, but I've really put my road cycling career first um, because we all know that 
this only lasts for so long. Right. Uh, I do know guys that are, you know, still racing the cat pro one level at, you know, 40, but that's kind of not normal. Um, 30 is normally your prime and I'm getting really close to that. I'm 27. Okay. So I'm getting a little nervous. Um, but, um, definitely putting that first and foremost, just because I don't want to get hurt. I don't have enough money to have unlimited bikes or I would. Right. I understand <laughs> I think that. I have one. In my garage, I think I have nine. Yeah. I have four for me. I built I built one for my wife, and my kids have three or four. Um, and when I buy a kid's bike, I don't buy a kid's bike. Right. I go and buy the nicest bike because it's got to last multiple kids. Yeah. So if you invest in a quality bike, you can get that through multiple kids and be solid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I always had Huffy. Yeah, like Toys R Us bikes and Huffy bikes and stuff like that. I did too. And you know, oh, yeah. we got my my daughter's first bike was a Specialized. Her second one is this sweet Sunday BMX. And that's awesome. It's like as long as she's my daughter, she's gonna she's gonna have a sick set of wheels. I remember buying my daughter her first bike. We were at a bike store. I was getting into cycling, but I, I had no idea I was ever gonna race. I was like, I'm I'm not interested in racing. Me and my wife went down. We bought these. I bought a felt. She bought a Trek. It was on sale. I was able to get the Trek credit card. We got them both. And it was, this, this was 2014, okay. fall of 2014. I was like, oh, this is great. And then we go back down there to get some more stuff. And my daughter sits on this little Trek, pink Trek. And she was just saying a couple words. And she looks at me and says, Daddy, I want this Aww. bike, please. Aww. And dude, just heart melted. Dude. I was getting my wallet out as quick as I could. Bought this little track. Oh, man. I'll never forget that day. Oh, man. You're a sucker just like me. Oh, I am, dude. The kids the kids are awesome, though. That's your life. Yeah. That's, it's the best thing. It's the best thing about you. And you can't be more than blessed to have them. Um, between both of our kids, uh, we lost a daughter 28 weeks into pregnancy to Potter syndrome. Mm. And I tell you, it'll put it in perspective and make you appreciate things so much more when you go term through turmoil like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, something you never know what's going to happen to your kids and you got to enjoy them and love them as much as you can. That is, um, I, I remember reading your blog about that and I was, it got me, man. It yeah. got me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many parents that go through it, but it's like this hidden scar that nobody talks yeah. about. And I feel... You know, if you can talk about it, maybe it'll help some of those other parents that have been through that and uh, will be going through that in the future because it's not an uncommon thing. And I tell you, it's the hardest, one of the hardest things you'll go through in life. Sure. Um, it's, it's rough. But, um, you know, that's what makes you stronger. That's what makes you enjoy what you have and appreciate uh, how blessed, you know, you are. I, I, can, I can see how that really helped you and your wife bond. And also um, just talking about how, you know, technology can separate us, but then it can also help us build such a strong network. Because before we started Team Dirt, I was just about done with Facebook. I was just like, you know, there's just there's nothing but politics and anger here. And then we started Team Dirt. And now every day I go to Facebook and it's just dad's talking about bikes and sharing it's experiences awesome. about yeah. their kids on bikes. And it's just like, wow, this is really amazing. I'm so glad that this thing just took off the way it did. Um, because there's a lot yeah. of people, there's a lot amazing. of parents out there that feel isolated. And this is just oh, sure. one more tool to bring us together. 
Yeah, and you know, going through life as a parent is hard enough by itself, but going through life and trying to be fit and disciplined is so hard. Yes. And if we can all encourage each other like we do, it makes it so much easier and so much more exciting because you're looking forward to riding with these people. You're looking forward to seeing these people and giving them ride-ons. It's just the best in the, the special events. I mean, it's so cool, the community we, uh, you and Sterney have built because you guys were the founders. And I know there's a couple other guys with you guys, mm -hmm. but it's amazing. It's, it's the coolest thing about cycling. And uh, it helps so many of us. It helps me race outside. And it helps so many other dads in other ways. It's the coolest thing. Dirt, I couldn't imagine life without it. That's great, Timmy. And I think we can wrap up there. But really quickly, I want to uh, give you the opportunity to tell us about what's coming up next for Indoor Specialists and give us a plug for your sponsors. And then we'll, yeah. we'll wrap up there. You know, for sure. We've had a really exciting change of events. Um, we've been working with Saurus and we've all got these new Saurus H3 trainers. And I started out on a kicker. I am so impressed by the H3. Um, it's so much quieter. It's mind blowing. Mm. And it's so much smoother. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the Wahoo kicker was great. I, I am not one to bash people, but I do prefer the, the Saurus H3 hands down over the kicker and it's also cheaper mind blowing but um yeah we're really fortunate to work with them like i said we've got some awesome guys in the team um I, I we share literally 300 group messages a day if not more wow like we talk every day like it's the greatest thing on earth um these guys and, and the team we've built it's so fun and uh it's really awesome to have a big company come along like saris and support us um we're just mind blown with their their product. And what's really cool is we're helping develop it and uh, doing all sorts of calibrations and dual recordings for them and working directly with the company to improve their trainer and, and try to make it the best one on the market if it's not already there. So um, that's been really exciting. But yeah, we're all ripping in and doing our best to, to race. The guys are smashing it. Ryan and Holden and Matt both the mats, all three of the mats, they're ripping so good right now. And Tully, um, he's an old dirt guy. Mm -hmm. um, he's a, a, a large supporter of our team and one of our sponsors, Tully Lester. And he's coming back um, from his summer break. Uh, Aaron Coles is down in Australia as well. And we've got a new guy named Brad Norton from Australia okay. who's really strong, a Masters world champion on the track. Um, so that's exciting too. And we're looking forward to riding with him more. But um, yeah, we've got some great guys. Our roster's changed up a little bit this year. Um, a few guys uh, ended up leaving the team, which is always sad, but we've also got some new guys come on, and uh, it's so fun. Both the Matts put so much work into it, Matt Gardner and Matt Brandt, and we're so thankful for that. And Holden, I remember him coming on right before Nats, and I was like, a triathlete? Like, really? <laughs> but the guy is the coolest guy, and he's so strong. He's a sprinter. What triathlete is a sprinter? Right? Uh, so it's so fun. We have such a great time. And we're so thankful to be working with Saris and with Tolly's support, uh, the Lester company. It's, it's just been awesome this year. And we're looking forward to the next year. And also just to dabble outside, next year I'm really excited. Um, my parents started this new thing called Bauer Racing. And uh, we're going to go have fun enjoy it with the kids and hit some of the events that I haven't been able to do racing for uh, teams and other riders. So 
just going to focus on that. And um, I'm able to work with Science and Sports still. They've been a huge supporter of me. Uh, I'm one of their leading ambassadors in the USA and uh, also got Elio on board for clothing. And then um, Tyler's clothing company, Ride Bikes Bro, is also one of my supporters. So we're just going to have fun, enjoy the racing outside. I'm going to hit quite a few of the USA Crit events, which really interests me. Because who doesn't like racing with 100 guys on a downtown circuit with potholes, <laughs> manhole covers at like an average of 30 miles an hour? It's the best. That sounds awesome, Timmy. <laughs> well, you have an awesome holiday season. Thank you for joining us for the podcast today. Thank you, Ken. I've had a blast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And thanks again to Timmy Bauer for taking the time to be on NGP. Chris and Shane, great catching up with you as well, and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Never Going Pro. Ride on, and I will see you in Watopia.